0: Welcome everyone to HODLers episode 12. Today we are here with DM Scalping. This is an audio only podcast, so sorry YouTube, you won't be able to see much, but all you guys on Spotify, you'll be able to hear absolutely everything. So DM Scalping is a professional trader, presenter, mentor, and he's been trading for over a decade. He's made a decent amount of money, so we'll be talking about that and his journey and see what he's up to now. He's currently creating an NFT project, but with some really really cool utilities that haven't been um haven't been done before so we're going to go over that and see what he's up to so yeah welcome dm is that what we call you dm is that dm pretty- yeah
1: dm is fine yeah thanks no for having
0: worries, me no worries no worries so we'll start off with who is dm scalping what do you do do you want to give yourself a little introduction to the people listening
1: who is dm scalping who dm is scalping you? is just a name the sport i am a scalper that's oh, what yeah. i do i get in and out of trades within five to ten minutes DM is just short for my name. My name is Damien. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been an institutional trader for a decade. You know, I worked institutionally learning to trade and then trading clients' money for that long. And I'm currently retired and I just work as a pro retail trader from when I need to trade. So very, that's very about that. That's what DM scalping is.
0: Okay. Okay. So we're going to. We're going to start off from the very, very beginning and we're just going to work our way along like your journey and how and where you've got to. So how did it all start? How did you even like become a trader and where did you like first see like, you know what? Because mine was like, I saw on Instagram, saw all the people like making money, like posting pictures of the cars, like Rolexes and stuff like that. That's very modern. Obviously, I'm guessing 10 years ago it was a little bit different. Um, how did it all start? Right. So. I was working as
1: a financial advisor for a financial institution and I was selling mutual funds to clients. So I was going out and looking to get clients so that they can invest in mutual funds with the hedge fund. And there was a division in this hedge fund where people were trading and making like 000, 000 a million dollars just trading. And these guys were a group of guys focused more on high risk. High risk for clients but high rewards for clients. You know, and I saw that on the... 17 years old and I'm working as a financial advisor I'm like hey wait hang on a second how come I can't do that that was the motivator it's like why can't I be part of this what so I went to inquire and I went to find out what does it take to be on that team and you know and so I went to the hedge fund owner I said hey can you let me get on there and see what I can do and he said to me he's like you're gonna be dealing with clients money and you have to know how to trade and you have to be licensed so you have to show me that you know how to trade. So that's how it started. You know, I would make money off my commissions from uh, gaining you know clients for the company and then I would put that in a trade account, try to trade it, lose all that money because that's kind of how it starts. And that went on for a couple years until I stopped losing money and making money and then I managed to get on the trading team to trade for clients. And it started off like that and then at some point I ended up being the
0: Lead trader
1: on that team, managing eight other guys under me.
0: That's really cool. Know, years later, yeah. Can you give us info so on a- who that was for, which hedge fund or not?
2: I can't. Oh, no. okay. That's gonna that's
0: That's all good. Over to you, Tom. Uh, hey,
2: it's, uh, it's the NFT dad here. I'm the co-host uh, of this. Very, very nice to meet you. I'm coming at you from uh, Canada. Nice to meet you as well. Nice to meet you. Uh, really... Canada. Where
1: at? Where at, at in Canada?
2: Vancouver, uh, Vancouver area. Vancouver. Up the right. Mountains Here, yeah. I'm, I'm from Toronto, so it's oh good no to right. Okay. Yes, sir. yeah. I spent yeah. a lot of time in in, uh, in Ontario. I actually, grew up in London, Ontario. So, yeah, I know the area well. Um, but with just following, you know, what, what you were talking about here at the hedge fund and how you you came to be in this position of managing this group of people. Can you give us a little insight uh, as to what it was like working in? So, just some things about like how much money was being handled. You don't need to name. Uh, you know, obviously you know any specifics but like just give us give the listeners a little bit of a vibe on what it was like to be you know uh, in that situation managing the 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 money what was the pace like what was the stress like you know give us a little- Okay a little- so
1: if a lot of you might think that maybe it's all of us shouting at each other sell this buy this it wasn't that it was very quiet focused you have all your monitors up and you're just going off and trading and that's about it you have a certain amount of money you're Aim to make, you know, when you're weak and a certain amount of money you're not allowed to lose. And if you lose this, then your job's going to kind of be on the line. So the stress was making sure that you're disciplined enough to meet the rule set or the the quota Mm -hmm. per se. You know, it it wasn't more about making money as it was to ensure not losing money.
2: Yeah,
0: that's the biggest thing.
2: And that sounds ext- you know, to me it's extremely stressful. But I suppose if you have your, your process and, and your job is to make sure there's no losses for your for your clients, I'm i there must have been some experiences along the way. That was ten years I think you mentioned that you were in that space. Before you've retired, which by the way, if you said you started when you're seventeen, I think you've retired pretty young, so good on you. Um what was can you name some of the craziest experiences um, that maybe ha- unfolded just with, you know, thinking it wasn't going to go one way, it went another way? And any any stories you can tell us on that front?
1: Right. Well, crazy experiences, I guess, come from the amount of size that's being traded <laughs> and how money fluctuates and how big of a loss is you take. And so because I was on the team, when, if I take a loss, the whole team takes a loss. Or if they take a loss, I take a loss, right? Dumb. So we- we've had some pretty rough days so we tried to maximum lose five percent on a trade, but there were days where we were down twenty percent and we had to take a loss, you know, things like that happen. Especially when you're trading really big size. At some point I was managing two hundred million dollars in clients' money. Two hundred million. Two hundred million,
0: yeah. That was the, the
1: highest we ever reached and
0: that's quite a hefty amount. And you know, it's that's over yeah. like multiple clients, right? That's not just one client Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes, of course.
1: Yeah. yeah. One know. client walks in, and slaps us with $220, $200 dollars. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that no, the percentages
0: uh... as well? Like you had to, well, not percentages, but the amount you had to make, like or not lose per week. What was that like percentage wise? Do you know?
1: Or yeah, you to, so you're not the you're not supposed to lose more than five percent actually a week. You know, because we as as heavy as I go as an individual, you know, we had to on average we were performing at about one hundred and twenty percent return a year. So wow. you have to bet according to that. Every single one of us had a certain amount we were allowed to leverage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you can't, you can't pretty much max out the account and leverage and just call it.
2: So, yeah, wow. Leon. I know, I know you've got the next question, Leon, but I'm really curious as you're describing this. You know what? What are the the bear, like? What's the process of folks like applying? You mentioned you called up, you know, the hedge fund manager and you got your 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 foot in the door. In this step, in the situation where you're managing, what's the process for people coming? Is it word of mouth? Like, how do you market the yeah, hedge fund? Well, I can, I can only speak for myself,
1: but mm-hmm. I actually got into this hedge fund because uh, some of my family kind of got me the job because they knew the owner of the hedge fund. So uh, that's nice. how I got nice. in. I didn't just apply and get in, you know? But it, so it's going to might be tough for some people to work institutionally. However, you can achieve the same type of success i'd say um as a pro retail trader as well you just got to find the means to receiving the capital
0: got it that's crazy so you got you got very nice there by your family Damn, <laughs> i wish my yes. parents could uh, i got uh, the yeah, in bring me so i a, got the in pool. but
1: i didn't i got the in to be working to shadow you know i was shadowing someone yep. so somebody mm-hmm. who, who sells mutual funds to clients and, um but I didn't, I had to work to get in to be able to trade. Oh, yeah, of course, that to, you know, that yeah. wasn't a, yeah, sure, come in here. We're going to set you up. We're going to teach you everything and you're good to go. No, it wasn't. Nobody taught me anything, actually. I taught myself everything I needed to learn. At first, I started off as a swing trader. and It didn't really become too sustainable for me. I would wake up at night, like sweating, making sure my trade's going well. <laughs> and I just wasn't sleeping. And you know, I couldn't take that anymore. I just wanted to... Wake up, go to work, sit down, leave. And that was it. That's my day. It ends there. I'm out of all my trades and I call it. So that's how I kind of which transitioned into creating a scalping strategy, which works for
0: me. You know, so do you completely trade your own style or does everyone have to like learn a certain style of trading?
1: I would trade my own style per se. I, I'm a scalper, so I mean there's other scalpers out there. But I have
0: my own methods in which I go about placing a trade. I mean, like within the hedge fund, does like everyone trade the same? I thought it'd be like no, everyone trades the same method. No, nobody. You're free to like trade however you want. Yeah, wow. Okay, I didn't know
1: that. It does. It's the game is trading and money is keep track of who's, I guess, winning or you know keep score of things. It doesn't matter how you go about playing your game. It's kind of like boxing you you box different than me you might have a different boxing style but it's still Mm -hmm. boxing right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so some guys were purely fibonacci based traders others were i had we had one guy on the team he was a harmonic trader which to me that that doesn't work at all it was working it was working (laughs) good for him you know but harmonics are all based off of fibonacci anyways right
0: I was gonna say
2: there must be some crossover there, yeah. So
0: when you have all these SMC traders saying like they trade like the banks and like the hedge funds and stuff like that, and all the hedge funds see these like retail trades and stuff, that's a bunch of rubbish. What do you mean by that? Do you know like well SMC traders they they're meant to trade like the banks and the hedge funds and like see these zones of like liquidity. Where retail traders normally enter like sells and buys, like I me and you, just want, like basic, like fib levels and key levels. Right. But it was
1: the same, it was the same thing. That's so, kind yeah. of the, the
0: beauty behind it is whatever I did over there
1: translates mm-hmm. over to being a retail trader as well. It's exactly, the same thing. Yeah, now, exactly. obviously, we were, we were putting on futures contracts. It wasn't, say, you're with a broker and you're pressing just buy and sell and it executes it on a CFV per se, but yeah. it's all the same.
0: Yeah. 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 The, yeah. No, that's my point too. It's just funny how like, all these new strategies that are coming along in like obviously like Forex, stocks, crypto. People just like, you know, use these com- really confusing words to make it sound really advanced even though it's been around for like the past 50 years. It's just, it's yeah, just pretty it's, funny. <laughs> yeah, and it's not hard at all. When anyone
1: comes and sees me, they're like, is this thing, how do you, how do, you do this? I'm like, there's two buttons. If yes. I had to press buy, or you press sell and then you just guess like you you think it's going to go up you press the buy button you think it's going to go down you press the sell button that's it
0: i think my button's <laughs> because that's not happening for me <laughs> it's uh <laughs> and then then you got to
1: go into describing size and how you go and yeah,
0: things but yeah, yeah. you
1: know it all it all comes pretty quickly yeah you know, from from anyone i've already spoken to that's been interested in trading after speaking with me and i explained the basics of things um they already start placing trades within the first couple of days you know just wow. to kind of understand how to how to go about doing that so
0: so why did you go on to like the next little part of your journey why did you end up deciding to leave and retire you said well oh the money was good you know <laughs> you, you make enough of that
1: and I, I primarily invest all of my capital in real estate, so I mm. try to buy commercial properties, try to flip commercial properties, try to rent out the tenants as much as possible. You know, growing up, that's what I got taught to do by my father, so I wanted yeah. to stick to that and you know, I got married, had some kids, and you, know, you, you just don't need to be there all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't. I would report every day. I'd be, I'd be at work at eight in the morning and be home at six p.m. You know, now I don't do that. Mm. Sit on my own, and do my own thing. And if I now I, I don't even trade that much. I just trade around big movement. You know, when yeah. if I see really big moves, I try to hit it as hard as I can. So it was more of a, you made enough money, you can be on your own. It's fine, and that's so about it. Cool. Kind of spend time with your kids as they grow up.
2: And- yeah, yeah, yeah I, enjoy, enjoy I, can, life, I can relate to that. I got three kids as well, but but uh, I I just wanted to tell the listeners. Sorry, Leon. This is your next question coming up. I'm not going to take the question, but I want to uh, just share uh, out of the gates. As soon as DM came on, he immediately dropped alpha about uh, US uh, USD JPY. Yeah, it's being really cheap. So it sounds like it's kind of in your blood, and you're paying attention to what's going on. So you want to share. I guess this will be a recording, so it won't matter at that point uh, when people are listening, that might have already gone up by then. But that was, that was pretty amazing out of the gates. Over to you, Leon. Boom.
0: Yeah. Um, so, like, now that you trade on your own, obviously, and you're not with a hedge fund anymore, has your trading style developed or changed in any way compared to when you were working back there? Yeah,
1: so good question. No, actually, it's the oh, well, same good. exact... The same exact thing. It's actually easier to place all the orders as a retail trader because it's almost everything is executed as instantly as possible. You don't have to go about like placing a futures contract and whatnot, or mm-hmm.
0: an options when trying to buy and sell something else. So, so out of the I, team, do you prefer this over working in a hedge fund, or do you miss it's, it? At it's, all? it's honestly, it's this. Uh, yeah, you always miss <laughs> the whole
1: because it was just the guys that you see, right? You're, yeah, yeah, it's always like a team. You're always in a team. It's always the same people. It's a, it's good energy to be around, and it's great for experience. But um, so I don't not miss it. That's why I'm always on good standing. I can always go back to the time I want, you know. Yeah. Just like I said, trying to stick to raising my kids, you know, and being around and like So and again,
0: going on the difference between like working a hedge fund, like with a lot of other people, and working on your own. Have you like experienced any like psychological effects? Because obviously psychology is massive in trading. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest biggest challenges when starting off. Have you noticed anything different at all? Right. as now, no, not so much at all. So,
1: one of the beauty of being in this business is that when you do it for long enough, you just, your confidence is through the roof in terms of you knowing what what to do and what works and what doesn't work. You know? mm-hmm. I've had my trading strategy for a very long time and i it works for me so i don't tinker i don't change anything about it i just stay as disciplined as i can and now i don't even have to think about you know closing out when i'm down a position i just do it automatically so it's it's all the same you know even when i left from the institution it's still the same exact thing it's it's kind of like playing the piano if you've been playing every day for 13 years mm-hmm. and you allocated the majority of your time to this
2: um, you should be able to play as fluidly as possible. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. your fingers would almost move automatically. So, the 10,000 hours rule, and you're probably well beyond that in the I am. I'd say I'm above 20,000 easily. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm slowly getting there. I've, I've got plenty of time, I guess. You're 21, Leon. You've got so much time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stressed. I need to make money. Um, uh you'll get it. So. Uh, with your own trading right now is a set percentage you aim for per month do you have a goal or a weekly goal monthly goal yearly goal
1: right well like i said i only trade around big movements right now
0: i don't have any goals per se my only goal in
1: mind is make money
0: yeah that's about it but
1: while i was working institutionally like i said it was five to ten percent a month is what we aim for yeah and i i do on a day-to-day basis if i'm trading from home as a retail trader and i try to tell this to other traders is we aim for five to ten percent a trade day Mm. i know that might seem like a lot but that's kind of the performance that i put on it's just Mm -hmm. five to ten percent a trade day that's so yeah
0: quite a hefty amount but if you can keep that up i mean most people would say that's uh not long term and it won't work but i mean you've been trading for a long time so probably will work um (laughs) but yeah keep that going i guess um (laughs) One piece of advice you could give to the new traders that are just coming into the space and they're like, oh, I don't know where to start or like, I'm having troubles with this. What's Mm -hmm. one piece of advice you could give to them? Good
1: question. I would say don't be so eager to jumping in and trading live money right away. Mm -hmm. Kind of understand that things are a process. You're going to have to learn before you can become good at trading. Don't be afraid to fail. You're going to. It's part of the process you know and just kind of enjoy it while you're in it try not to blow out any accounts because if you're out of trading capital you're out of business you know and know that it takes the average trader six years to become a professional trader you know and if you're in this business long enough then you'll get there and so
0: just enjoy the journey because it is a yeah. demanding one but the rewards are very good at the end of it. yeah I completely agree i was so focused when i started out um I've been trading for three years but I wouldn't even class the first year as even trading to be honest um that's just like most people start like that though to be fair they start off like um like way too overhyped thinking they're gonna make like 600k their first month They go and put some money in lose the money and like oh yeah it's a scam trading's a scam I can't bother doing this anymore They give it like a few months off they come back and that's where the discipline slowly you know slowly builds up and develops but yeah I've just learn from doing this as well like with mcr training and stuff and the disco and having people constantly come in like how long does it take you to like make money and be financially free or like i it's been a week and i'm still losing money you just you just gotta learn to look everything long term like i always give the example of like being a scientist or something crazy or like a footballer or something like that you think mm-hmm. being a footballer most well i mean this is the uk obviously for you guys it's different soccer or whatever but any sport, to be honest, like you're playing that your entire life. Like you grow up playing that sport from like the age of five to the age of 20. You're playing that for 15 years straight and then you become professional. Same with a scientist. Yeah. With a scientist, you got to go through like five years of school, then four years of uni, then three years of like shadowing someone else, and then two years of experience. And then you can become a scientist. Same with like a, a surgeon, for example. A surgeon is like, I think, eight to 12 years to become a professional surgeon. And you think you can become a professional full-time trader, uh, sat in like Bali, um, you know, having a cocktail in like two years. No, you need to slow down. Just stay disciplined. Once two hours a day, you sit there and put aside one hour, hour learning, watching videos, reading books, going over Mm -hmm. the charts. And if you do that for three years straight, then you're going to be a completely different person. So yeah, long-term over short-term, like... People, under, no, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in three years. Um, so that's a, another one I live by. Just looking everything long-term. If you're having a crazy day today, and things are going bad, down 10% on my account, or like I've just, I don't know, done something really bad, give it, I mean, no, that sounds wrong. Um, no, let's say down 10% on your account, just because you're having a losing, losing day doesn't mean you're going to have a losing month. And again, just because you had a terrible month doesn't mean you're going to have a terrible year. You just got to pick yourself up and carry on, you know?
1: Yeah, I completely agree yeah. on that aspect. You know, There's, gonna, there's obviously always going to be losing days and rough times in trading, and that's part of it. Drawdowns are almost sometimes unavoidable. They always come. And it's how you keep your psychology in check. Okay. Don't change your strategy. Maybe tighten up your risk management and go like that. But it's, losses are part of the game. And any trader who says that they don't take any losses is just full of it. So it's kind of like playing, you know, f- football, and not—you don't want to kick a ball,
0: right?
2: Mm. <laughs> you have to kick the ball. Well, you have to take a loss. It's just how it goes. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a perfect segue into this next question about taking losses. Let's let's get into NFT project that uh, you're, you're you've been. Uh, Working on um, a, a lot of, uh, you know, what you guys are both talking about and, you know, these wise words about spending time and developing, uh, you know, your your style and the 10,000 hours ideology. NFTs are such a new asset class and there's people just aping in left, right and center and just losing their shirt, you know, taking money out on their mortgage, trying to get an ape and then it. You know, just lots of uh, challenges with uh, people thinking that it's this magical Internet money. And it was for a while. Like it was really weird shit happening with people just making money hand over foot. Um, but now it's changed. It's tightened up. So I'm just curious, um, Damien uh, or DM, do you uh, want to tell us about your NFT project and how this has come around and, and maybe for the listeners where, where they can find uh, find out what's going on with that on your end? Yeah, sure. So.
1: I started an NFT project because my brother's kids came to me and said, Uncle, I want to be just like you. I want to be able to buy something, sell that something for more money. But, uh, and we figured it out. They had it, they had it figured out. They came to me. Mm-hmm. First, they started explaining Pokemon cards. They showed me a few Charizards saying that they go for this much and whatnot. Right. And now there's this new internet art that can be bought and sold for more money. Mm-hmm. So they referred me to a project and they said, Please, can you buy us some of this? And I said, Yeah. So I bought them $6,000 worth of this vampire art. Mind you, the art wasn't too bad looking at the time, but it became very apparent very quickly that I had to ask myself, why would anyone buy this after the sale already happens? Like, what is it about this that would cause demand to inflate? You know, why, do I, why would the consumer need to own this, right? Or for a specific price or pay more for it? And realistically, uh, that's how markets work. It's like buying and selling stock. Why would somebody be willing to pay a certain average price for a stock? So, for this, it was, there was nothing. It was just mm-hmm. art. There was no utility. There was promises that perhaps a game would come out. But even sure. then, you know, there was no proof of any of that. So, it, I realized this would probably go to zero very quickly and it would all be just one big bubble. So, yeah. fast forward to about three weeks from then, It just was a big rug pull, and the price went down to zero. The owners of that project completely stopped talking to everyone. And that was it. I was like, huh, all right, (laughs) NFTs, interesting scam, right? So there were people in that Discord channel who I saw lost everything they owned. So one guy put in like $20,000 into this thing, every single dollar he had. He put everything he had in this. And you see something like that, and with, with the experience that you have, and you're like, well, that's just sad, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's just a lack of understanding. You know, people put all their money in, hoping that tomorrow they'll wake up, there's a million dollars in their account. And I always say it's a marathon, not a sprint. This game, know, mm-hmm. people just want the moon right away. But it doesn't work <laughs> that way. So, anyhow, um, some people knew who I was in that Discord, and they asked me if I can. Do something about this, kind of help people make their money back. So naturally, I was like, Well, what do you guys want me to do? Best I can do is maybe open a separate secretive Discord, and you guys can come in, and see me trade. And if you want to press the button at the same time as me, I can't stop you from doing that, right? And right? get in, get out, and whatnot. But so people did come, and but it wasn't sustainable because I scalped. So by the time I put the announcement out that I'm in a trade. And by the time somebody saw it, I'm already in the trade, up on it. Now they're coming, trying to click the button. It's just not working. So instead, people reached out to me and said, can I give you money? Can you trade for me? And whatnot. And it's just not worth my while to trade $25,000. Right? So then I was like, hmm, maybe I can help a community of people who got rugged by, you know, trying to teach them how to trade or something along the lines. At the time, that's what I was thinking, but... uh, I said that the community I have are not traders, they're NFT people. So Mm -hmm. thus I created an NFT project initially to try to help people, to try to help people prevent them from getting rugged and whatnot, which leads me to talking about what my project offers. So considering I've been in finance for so long, you know, uh, at the hedge fund that I was at, they offered insurance, life insurance policies, unemployment insurance and whatnot. And all these policies were drafted by actuarial mathematicians who do the math, you know, we have insurance lawyers, and some really, some really smart guys who've just been in insurance their whole lives. So there is no reason you can't apply any of that to the NFT mm-hmm. you know, uh, Where Where there's risk, there is mathematics, and mathematics will create insurance. So that's about it. So one of the aspects of this project that we're trying to develop is that we're going to create an insurance policy for holders, and they're going to be able, just by owning the NFT, uh, get insured against rug pulls and drains and whatnot. So that's actually something that I haven't seen in this space yet. And offering that to someone who owns a wallet would say $100,000 mm-hmm. worth of NFTs is beneficial just to own one of the because you will get, be able to file a claim up to a certain amount. And so that's just one of them, one of the utilities of the product. Okay. Cool.
2: Yeah, Um. so let's let's just talk a little bit about the insurance piece. So the um, folks will buy your NFT that gives them that creates a liquidity pool um, to sort of back up the insurance policy. And then when people are out trading now, are they, you know, NFTs, are they trading within an ecosystem that you've created and sort of taking your lead on on specific projects you think are strong? Or is the, the insurance sort of cover them when they're out there in the big, crazy NFT world you know, uh, you know, trying to win and and how does that work? When
1: the liquidity does come in for the project, it's like if you just establish the business model where people are buying in for an NFT and that's just how you cover them against insurance, it's not really the best model. You need to have an Mm -hmm. income of some sort to keep Mm -hmm. supplementing insurance coverage. So usually insurance is premiums. You charge premiums per month. But right. considering I'm a trader, I'm able to trade the, the the pool money, and then actually end up generating more money, which would then be able to pay off the insurance payouts. And thing about that is that the insurance of this pass is self sufficient. You don't need to pay monthly premiums to get insured. So that's something that's cool about it. And oh,
2: that's rem- fascinating. So yeah. you're doing trading with the liquidity pool, of and course, that's what's yeah. bringing money, and as well as probably some secondary, like people coming in and out of the project, You probably still get some royalties through that, depending on what platform you use. Right. That's- well,
1: uh, what I wanted to do for royalties was just any royalty that's made, just put it back into the liquidity pool, you know, right. so that the holders get the benefit from this. The project I state provides monetary value, and what I mean by that is you'll end up getting access to the liquidity pool to be able to receive financial rewards such as like ETH related drops, airdrops, you'll be able to receive loans because I can loan out Ethereum to anyone who needs, you know, and so as much as I can come in and provide value in this aspect where people can just make money, I just want people to make money in whatever way they can and part of the project also is me educating people on how to trade you know, with that they can then go off and hopefully become financially independent as well really okay. fast that loan thing memorable. you
0: were on about i also saw that in your discord the other day i didn't even know that was a thing can you go more into detail over that
1: yeah sure so because it's called the financial verse i created a universe of finance right so i wanted to be able to offer insurances and loans and you know and some airdrops where people can maybe make money off of that and whatnot so for the loan itself how it works is let's say you want to loan hundred thousand dollars for me tomorrow in ethereum I'll agree, provided that you provide collateral of anywhere from forty to sixty percent extra on an NFT that you own. So, if you want one hundred thousand dollars, you have to have an NFT that's worth one hundred and forty to one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. That that's such we a would, idea. yeah, well, that we would put up as collateral. Where if you don't pay mm-hmm. the loan back, I keep the NFT. That's how I protect myself, and then I go about selling it. And typically, the industry right now has about an average of twelve percent interest a month. On on these types of loans for Ethereum, I'm charging five. I see. You know, and this this can this is for anyone, not just my holders who want a loan. Anyone can come in and try to get a loan from me, provided that they're able to put up the NFT as collateral. And my holders will get even lower interest, probably around three percent. You know, and do, do you lock up the
2: NFT in like a staking mechanism? Or? That's correct. It's all do, done through like MetaMask.
1: You know, I don't have to. It's all done through a contract through MetaMask, so I don't... Kind
2: of, uh, now, yeah, are, you, are you writing these contracts? Or are you, is, do you have a team that's... that's what you no, yeah, to? I have, I have
1: a, well, a team. Yeah,
2: I have a team of guys who already do this, so okay. I
1: can just put my liquidity in and end up making this. Yeah, I thought that was... And any money made from this doesn't go to me. I'm going to issue it back into the liquidity pools. So everything I'm doing is just establishing a business model so that the mm-hmm. initial 3,000 holders of my pass try to mm-hmm. benefit the most from this and make as much money as possible. Do you have any idea when you're going to
2: launch this? Or are you waiting out the bear market? Or how, how, Right.
1: So, What's happening right now is I've created a mini Genesis pass of 200 passes of something called the Fortune 200. Mm-hmm. You know, and we want to roll out the Fortune 200 before we roll this one out. We think that that would be a very good look yeah the project as if this performs well and the floor price is good then the big project has a higher chance of uh, performing and receiving enough liquidity to make things happen so if i can talk a bit about the fortune 200 it's pretty much sure 200 passes where you have to apply for it and you have to then do an interview with me to be able to be able to even get in on this but it's pretty much a pass where i'm going to Teach you how to trade exactly like me. I'm going to coach you ex- in all aspects of trading to where you can perform and make money. That's kind of what it's about. It's yeah. being able to have access to me and mentor you into becoming a trader. And That's really cool. A lot of people think that trading is just, oh, yeah, you draw a line here, it's technical analysis, you get in risk reward. It's not, it's oh. all mental. And you, it's very good to have a mentor. I didn't want to do this initially, but as I trade live every day in my Discord to try to show people what I can do, people naturally have been traders coming in and trying to see how I go about trading. They ask questions, and they ask me, "Can you please put us on your team? Can you please mentor us?" So that's how this kind of
2: started. So so the motivation is the motivation for this um, altruism. Like you know, you've done well. You've you know, you live a good life. Is this you know, you you feel good giving? back to other people and giving them the opportunity to, to do what you do? Is that kind of the motivation there?
1: Right. Well, at first, it,
2: you know, in times of
1: people that I've mentored in my life have been just guys coming into the institution that needed to trade clients' money. So it was really important that you ensure the mental about trading is in check. And I never really went about teaching people in my life, you know, especially the retail trader. But as I started this project, people started, you know, trading with me. People started DMing me that they, they made Real money and they placed withdrawals and they said, Wow, this is changing my life. And that feeling is pretty fulfilling, Mm -hmm. you know, when you experience it that um, you're just helping somebody, you know, make money for themselves and their family and they're really happy about it. So I guess to teach a man how to fish was was the motivator for this because some people are actually good guys that, you know, just want to make it in life. So why not give back? I mean, yeah, I have the time for it. So why not?
0: That's nice. Cool. And yeah, this Genesis pass the Fortune 200 will this cost to get?
1: Yeah. yeah. It's going to be anywhere around four Ethereum. Now, it might be much, but people are investing in me for me to invest all my time into. Them. And if you're trading with me, you'll have no problem making that money back that's, that's in like no time hard. at all. Yeah. And having this gives you access to all types of signals, but me trading live with you and making calls. You know, and that's kind of the. Thing about how we're going to go about making money because this team is oriented about making money. If you're not here to make money, then this group isn't for you, and that's one of the things I say. Ask in the interview, is what's your motivator? You know, mm-hmm. I, I never come on click this button for fun. You know, none. Uh, I'm here to get paid. I'm here to make as much money as possible in the shortest amount of time possible. So, as long as people understand that, that that's what this 200 is about, us making money,
2: then yeah, all good for that. It's really cool. Um, before uh, I throw it back over to Leon, I think we've got a we sort of have a, a famous question here uh, in the Hodler's podcast that Leon's going to ask you. But uh, uh, before we do that, can you can you tell us a little bit about what's your long term vision for the NFT project? I mean, you've you've been pretty clear on you know what you want to do now and your motivation behind this. And I, by the way, I think it's it's really awesome. Um, what where do you see this going? over the next, I mean, it's, you'd have to have your head pretty deep in the sand to not sort of realize that there's extraordinary sort of shifts happening globally and financially, lots of strife and war and upset, you know, massive, uh, you know, recession kind of, I know in Canada we're all bracing for a pretty massive recession um, that I think we're already in. How do you see this playing out over the next, you know, three to five years?
1: Well, so I'll, I'll answer it first in,
2: in terms of the project and then I'll add. Yeah
1: answer how do I see inflation panning out and recession and whatnot, talk a bit about that. So in terms of the project, you know, uh, upon minting and whatnot, I'm not actually making any money off of this project at all. Um, The way I saw it is I'm building a business in an emerging market, one that's untapped, and in time, I'll be able to have a company with a high valuation that I can then sell. So the motivator behind having that is building a company and establishing wealth through a company being successful over time. Right. So I'm in it for the long run, you know, and I know that I'll be able to provide value for holders. So, you know, with really good utility, that's kind of, yeah. and just to where I can just keep pooling in money to this company and having holders benefit from, you know, just having this much money. That's why yeah. I believe that my NFT would be is going to be worth a lot. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the markets overall, so the way I see it is, Remember, like back in the day, when a chocolate bar was say fifty cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then things just naturally got more expensive. Let's say inflation is at eight percent now. It's still gonna stay at eight percent. You know, all that's gonna happen is it's gonna get recalculated, and it's mm-hmm. gonna be recalculated back from two to four percent. And we're gonna just have to adjust to how the prices are. So mm-hmm. wages are gonna have to increase. People are gonna have to make more money. And this adjustment is gonna take anywhere from um, a year and a half to two and a half years until okay. we adjust to things being this expensive so i don't think things are going to get any cheaper they can't so mm-hmm. we're going to just have to adjust to that as a people so now today at, i don't know if this is ridiculous to say but a chocolate bar is probably like what 250 Yeah. so it's going to stay 250 you know the interest rates for mortgages are going to still be expensive and so we're just going to change as a people to adjust to this and then recalculate it to where it's two to four percent the markets you know people talk about going into a recession where there's more of a down well typically on most recessions or most market drops there's a drop of say around 40 Mm percent yes it could very well from this point keep dropping but if you really look at it on a longer time frame it has dropped around 30 percent just look at the snp you know Mm -hmm. and if they drop it anymore they're gonna just and they i'm talking about the big boys you know the fed and all that now if they drop it anymore, it's just gonna the, the game will end. And why would they want the game to end? They're making so much money. You know, so they have to make it to where there's a balance and a shift to keep people in the game. You know, it's kinda like this Bitcoin crash from its like all-time high. Almost yeah. all of, of all the retail traders got wiped out and they kind of just, you know, killed it for everyone. So now it's mostly institutions that own most of Bitcoin. So when it comes to the stocks. In the stock market and whatnot, I don't see it crashing way more drastically. You know, it's, we're going to be in this neutral zone. Yes, it might still go down a bit, but they're doing it very slowly. Like, they didn't crash at 30 points, 30% in a day. So I don't think that we're going to have a horrible, you know, great depressive recession. I, but I do think we're going to have to adjust as people for the increase in price of things. And that's not going to change.
2: Awesome: yeah, no, I think that's a really balanced perspective, and, and really uh, uh, grateful to, to hear somebody with your experience share share where you think we're headed, because obviously kids' families and trying to make it, and Leon's a young guy trying to you know take over the world. so you know <laughs> good to see where, where we're all headed. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're getting there slowly. We're getting there. Um, right. so this is the one last final question to wrap it up, um, and then you're good to, good to go. Um, so if you could go back in time to when you first started your trading career what is one thing or piece of advice you would have told yourself and if so is there anything you would have done differently
1: right yeah
0: for sure you know um, i'd say don't be so hard on yourself Mm
1: because i was i was stressing trying to make it you know instead of just kind of enjoying the process of learning the success comes and it will come to anyone who ends up sticking to trading But don't be so hard on yourself. Don't try to don't give yourself panic attacks and losing sleep if you're not getting it right away. You're not gonna get it right away. That's how it goes. You know, and take it easy. Maybe, you know, for me, I had no time in my mind to see friends, have relationships and whatnot. So I I would just kinda maybe have tried to enjoy my youth a bit more and just taking it a bit easy. But that's about it. But hey, I can't complain where I'm at today.
2: That's all that's all I'll say nice
0: nice love that thank you thank you for that and thank you for this thank you for coming on i really appreciate it thank this. you for having me first one back in a while so hopefully we'll get back into the swing of things now hey so
1: somebody asked a question no, actually yeah. Yeah.
0: let's have a quick look yeah
1: somebody asked a question they said do i do we think that school matters for being successful in terms of trading no you know we had geniuses come into our hedge fund who you know were coming about thinking they're really smart and getting absolutely smashed. It's not about being the smartest guy. It's about being the right guy. And the right guy is the guy who's disciplined and following rules. That's what it is. So no, it doesn't. However, you should always have an education because school teaches you how to think or problem mm-hmm. solve. You know, it's always good to have that. But in terms of, you know, having a degree in finance, which is
0: going to change how good of a trader you are, I wouldn't say so, no. Yeah, I think it yeah. depends on what obviously what road you want to take. If you're wanting to go down to something like I don't know, like we were saying before, a scientist, you can't really do that with out an education currently. Um so yeah, completely depends on what route right you wanna take. But trading, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. School just teaches you the basics of life. Well not even not even really, but um like you said, how to think and stuff like that. And then once you finish school, that's when you develop. Right. Yourself. Imagine school taught us all how to actually make money instead of just being yeah, employees. That, that would be, no, that'd be great. is uh employees, not, not entrepreneurs. That's correct. Um. But yeah, <laughs> we'll end it there. Thank you so much for coming on. and Thank you for having me.